everyone to another edition of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast. I'm co-editor Joe Abraham, and I'm joined today by a special guest, SUNY Sullivan President Jake Waynes. Thank you for joining us here today, Jay. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So um, we decided to have this episode to discuss sort of how SUNY Sullivan has been dealing since the pandemic began, and as we sign of emerge into hopefully towards the end of it, but we're not quite sure, depending on um, how things have been playing out in our society. Uh, but the first question for you today is, for the context of our listeners who might not know about SUNY Sullivan, once sort of this whole pandemic began last spring, sort of how did the co- what steps did the college take to deal with it um, and into the summer? Yeah, so as it was unfolding in late February in the first couple of weeks of March, we um, – you know, we were in constant contact with New York State Department of Health, the governor's office, and SUNY system administration. And following kind of collective wisdom, which all of the presidents and the governor's office and, and uh, SUNY were involved in, we came up with various plans for different schools. And, and what we did at SUNY Sullivan was we moved everybody out of the dorms and shifted we, we gave everybody a, it was right before spring break so we were able to give everybody an extended two-week spring break as opposed to just the one week and that second week was used by our faculty and staff to get the structures in place that we needed to resume online instruction when students came back at the beginning of april um, so we you know we were in constant contact with students during that period of time making sure that they had what they needed that they were getting back home safely for those that had been living in the dorms and that those were more local that they had the resources that they needed here so we were part of a laptop loan program Um, we received about 150 laptops through a group buy at the state level and we started loaning those to students who didn't have technology uh, at home that would allow them to participate in an online environment and then we were able to get um, a grant from the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan to put up a Wi-Fi hotspot in our parking lot by the field house so that people could come to campus and have access to high-speed internet, even if they didn't have it, you know, in parts of the county like where I live. Uh, so that was a good thing for folks. And then through another grant from the Community Foundation of Orange and Sullivan, we were able to start a food distribution program. A lot of our students we're really suffering from food insecurity at the beginning of this, and, and it only got worse as more and more people were seeing themselves laid off. So we created a program where we would send students who had demonstrated food insecurity needs um, grocery store gift cards so that they could go purchase food. And we're, we, the intent was to keep that going anyway. It's, it's been an ongoing problem for several years for college students, and so we want to make sure that we're able to, to help them through that. And um, looking at sort of that spring, you know, this pandemic was obviously something that, you know, none of us have ever had experience dealing with, so it's kind of learning as we went. So I guess as we kind of start the fall semester, which I believe, if I'm correct, started yesterday. Um, started. Um, so kind of what lessons did you guys learn from that whole experience kind of headed into this fall? So during the spring term, when we shifted everything, uh, we had, we, we were kind of fortunate in some ways. We had six programs that were fully online before the pandemic hit. So we had a lot of expertise on campus and we, we were able to have the folks that were really used to teaching in an online program 
help those that had less experience with that. And it really worked out very well. So that work continued through the summer because we needed to be able to convert fall term courses into online or distance learning platforms. And uh, our instructional technology staff and our, and our more experienced faculty were very, very helpful in getting all of that conversion done. One of the things that, uh, that we learned about ourselves is that we're actually very good at this. And our students, I think, genuinely appreciated it. We were in pretty much constant contact with the entire student body over the course of the summer and heading into the fall term for a couple of reasons. One is we wanted to make sure that we kept them engaged and, and that they came back in the fall. And the other was to make sure that they had the needs being met. So we also received $519,000 in Federal CARES Act money to distribute to students who, um, you know, who because of their financial circumstances as a result of COVID-19 had some unmet needs. And so we were, we are continuously sending out those checks to students and helping them through that process. And it's just really been, it's been gratifying to see how well the faculty and staff and, and, uh, and the folks at the college really came together and with one sense of purpose, which was we need to do best by our students and make sure that they have what they need so that they can continue on and be successful on the other side of the pandemic. And um, kind of going into this whole pandemic situation, um, you know, obviously putting together a college budget is never an easy process. But when you look at sort of the 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 sort of the the losses financially that we've seen across the country and across the state um and region you know local region here in Sullivan County um what sort of additional challenges did you guys have to navigate as you kind of went about the budget process this year so this really hit right at the point of budget development it you know really uh, the New York state budget typically closes at the end of March and is you know becomes the enacted budget on April 1 this year, uh, because of COVID and because of all of the uncertainty and the expectation of declining state revenue, mostly in the form of taxes, uh, the state had done a, a little trick in the budget where they set it up so that at four points during the year, if there was a variance of 1% above uh, expenditures or 1% below revenue at each of these quarterly marking points, they could reduce the actual enacted budget. So what that meant for us going into our budget development was we had to be ready for a kind of a worst case scenario. And actually there, we developed 18 different scenarios in terms of just to back up a tiny bit. Our budget is with the exception of what we receive from Sullivan County, our sponsor uh, portion is entirely enrollment driven. So if our enrollment was going to drop, even if the state had been able to keep their their promise on a per student basis, we would still see a pretty steep decline in revenue. If our enrollment was to stay the same and the state was to drop their portion, then we'd still see a decline in revenue. So we modeled all of these different uh, potential scenarios. And, you know, what we settled on was a target of 5% down in enrollment from last year. And we were, we were the highest growth in community colleges last year at about 5%, five and a half percent. So, um, this would have put us back to two years ago in terms of enrollment. And then we started looking at what the potential uh, cuts from the state would have been. And we modeled all the way down to 25% cut, which, you know, we're hopeful that still doesn't happen. But the state is withholding right now 20% of our 
support. So it was a challenge. Uh, you know, we cut several million dollars out of the budget and it, it was, it, it's a very unfortunate situation, but it did, did necessitate layoffs at the college, which is something I've been really trying to avoid since I arrived, even though we've been in kind of fiscal challenges, mostly because the state doesn't keep their end up. But at this point, there was just nothing we could do. There was, there was no foreseeable way that we would be able to make a budget without doing that. Um, so that's where we are. We are, since you're right, school started yesterday. And right now we are uh, only down 2% from our enrollment last year. So we actually beat our enrollment projection at this point, And we're hopeful that we'll still see some students uh, come, you know, through the rest of the week, they can still sign up for classes. So, um, you know, that's, that's a positive thing. We are hopeful that at some point, the federal government is going to recognize that states and localities absolutely need federal support and that there's just really no way for them to get through this without some kind of federal intervention. And at that point, then the hope would be that the state would re reinstate the 20% and that we would ultimately be okay and be able to bring people back to work. But that still remains to be seen. Sure. And then another um, decision that did affect the college financially is obviously out of everybody's safety, you guys decided it was best to uh, keep the dorms closed this fall semester. And um, and so with that decision to keep the dorms closed, that is in some ways a loss of revenue for the college. Um, so for you guys, what have been some additional things when you guys made that decision um, that you guys have sort of put in place to either offset or minimize the loss of revenue from the dorm closures? Sure. So uh, we were, the intention had been to open the dorms at half capacity with everyone in a single room. That would have meant about 155 students in the dorm. We only had about 90, 95 applications for people to live in the dorms. And when Two weeks ago, when schools started opening up around the country and COVID cases started spiking on college campuses, um, we looked at our plan. We looked at the physical constraints of the building, which is shared bathrooms and on some wings shared by as many as 34 students. Mm -hmm. And we thought there's really no way that we can open the dorms in a way that would be able to maintain the, the sanitation and safety of our students in a way that we felt comfortable. So we we made the very tough decision to go ahead and not open the dorms. So the, the, uh, the fiscal impact on the college itself is not that great because most of those students were going to be taking online classes anyway. They were just going to be living in the dorms. There's a few, like a very small handful of students who were culinary arts students and our culinary program is running face-to-face -face classes. But what we've done with that group of students is have them take the the, um, the non-lab portions of their program online and then with the anticipation and the hope that we'll be able to open more fully in the spring semester and they can take the, the lab portions of their program at that time. Okay. And um, so you kind of touched on the enrollment a little bit. Um, and so my next question is looking at the fall enrollment and going a little deeper onto that. Um, so typically I remember speaking actually with Eleanor, the Dean of Communications at SUNY Sullivan recently, um, and just a casual conversation about um, community colleges because I use the personal example. I have a cousin that attends a 
higher priced um, four-year college, a private institution uh, in the state. And she lives in Dutchess County. And she made the decision to, um, I guess her school allows her to take a semester off and um, take classes at the local community college and will transfer over just fine. And she, like many, um, I think Americans across the country are making the decision um, to do because they're looking at cost differential. You know, if you can knock out your prerequisites or stuff at your local community college, um, you know, obviously you're going from, you know, 30 some thousand or so a semester you're paying to a much more affordable price. And I believe we were discussing how historically in um, when the economy struggles, um, typically you see more enrollment or uh, better enrollment at community colleges. So I was kind of looking at the pandemic, and I know that it's probably very early at this point since the fall semester just started yesterday. But for you, have you started to see or notice a gravitation from more people deciding to, you know, stay local or and go to community college? So, you know, Joe, that's always been the value proposition of community colleges, where if you are – you know, if your plan involves getting a four-year degree, you can come to a community college, get the first two years out of the way, and save yourself by the end, you know, sixty or eighty thousand dollars. So that stays the same. the The way that we would see typically, you know, that inverted relationship between the economy and enrollment at community colleges is typically for the degrees that lead to workforce programs. So if a student is, you know, finds himself out of a job because of a poor economy. Uh, or a person decides, I don't want to do what I've been doing for years or whatever, then they would come to the community college for a retraining or some kind of other uh, other path. This year is so different in virtually every way because the economy, it wasn't the typical slow decline of maybe a particular uh, employment sector. Like it's not where, you know, manufacturing started to move overseas or where, um you know, you see a tech boom in one part of the country, but virtually nothing going on in another part of the country. This was a, t- a period when, you know, like 25% of the economy just disappeared in a span of two weeks. Mm-hmm. So what we're finding around the state, and, I, you know, I don't know what's going on as much in other states, but what we're finding around the state is that people are um, taking they're, – they're deciding later. So first-time freshmen just coming out of high school – are deciding later to go to college than they would have otherwise. Most of the time they would have made a commitment by by May. So they put off those commitments or they put it on hold like it sounds like uh, your family member has done. So where we are up in enrollment or, and what's really keeping us kind of comparable to last year is a high number of returning students and a high number of uh of transfer and readmitted students. So that I think that's the kind of population that we wouldn't, well, we're very, very glad that our students chose to stay with us and come into the fall term. And I think that speaks to the good work that our faculty and staff did in staying engaged and making them feel comfortable in this new environment and that, you know, why would I go anywhere else? I'm going to come back, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to continue my momentum. The readmit students are those that, you know, might have taken a couple of college courses or done a year and then found a job because around here the economy was doing so well for the last several years, more people were going back to work. So I think we're capturing some of those that lost their job and are wanting to come back. And then uh, transfer students, I think, are the ones like maybe your family member who 
might have started at a different school is now deciding I'm going to come into the community college, get some credit, save some money. Why pay online? You know, why pay three times as much for basically the same quality of education without the kind of collegiate experience that you might get at a, you know, really expensive four-year residential college? Um, but where we're seeing a decline is in, is in new freshmen, first-time freshmen, and that's across the board. Now, I mentioned earlier that our enrollment is about 2% down to, as of today from where we were this time last year. Many of the community colleges in our region, so Ulster, Duchess, um, Orange, are seeing double-digit declines in their enrollment from last year, and they saw declines last year from the prior year. So we're we're actually doing considerably better than most community colleges across New York State. If we come in, uh, you know, one or two percent down or, you know, there's still the potential that we could be three or four percent up from last year. Uh, I think that's just a great testament to the quality of programs that we have, the kind of outreach that we've been doing and the student engagement work that we've been doing throughout the throughout the pandemic. Okay. And so. Next question I have for you here to kind of close this out uh, is really time to get the crystal ball going and trying to make those predictions of, you know, looking at the big picture and the lessons that we're seeing, how our daily lives are being changed by this pandemic from a community college or just college in general perspective. What long term effects and changes do you think this is going to have on colleges? Super, super interesting question. Um, I think that it has pointed out, even to a greater extent than people were conscious of before, that that the kind of traditional four-year residential college experience, especially a private college experience, is not something necessarily that people want to invest in moving forward. Um, It's Depending on where COVID lands or how long this lasts, uh, people are not going to go away as often and as far as they might have otherwise. They're going to look for the good value. And I, you know, we, we've talked a lot over the years over about the student loan problem in the country and how student debt is now exceeds credit card debt. And it's just, you know, it's preventing an entire generation of people from being able to graduate, buy a house, start a family, all kinds of things. I think this is going to help that because I think we're going to see people make choices better choices on how they want to spend their education dollars. Um, I think the other thing that we're going to see is a consolidation of higher ed. So there's going to be a lot of smaller schools, uh, especially private schools, parochial schools uh, that end up closing, almost certainly. I just don't see how they can maintain. There's a lot of schools, even in New York State, which, you know, that we've none of us have ever really heard of. Um, but they might have as, as few as four or 500 students in a normal year. Those schools, I don't see making it. I think we're going to start to see mergers of schools uh, in the future. And I think we're going to start to see increased flexibility in how students complete a degree. So even at SUNY, it, across the SUNY system, just like there's, you know, the, the for-profits like University of Phoenix or there's state-funded schools like Arizona State that have national online programs, SUNY is moving in that direction too where you'll, you'll receive a degree from a SUNY institution, but it'll be kind of the credits will be purchased through a centralized mechanism. So we're going to start to see 
kind of consolidations, increased flexibility, and I think better decision making by by consumers of what they want to spend their higher ed dollar on. And I would follow that up just by asking with something that just popped in my head. If we think about the online perspective of things, right? I mean, we're finding obviously that in every facet of life, you know, people are being productive with necessarily working remotely or, and that's, you know, finding that they're just as productive in that sense. I know in education, there are some struggles with that. I mean, we're looking at local high schools and stuff, trying to figure out, you know, in between keeping safe and, also, you know, obviously certain students and what needs they need. Sometimes it's really hard to keep certain students engaged on a computer, you know, as opposed to keeping them in the classroom and learning. Um, but do you foresee um, sort of an increase in the online offerings at, at, at colleges, um, you know, across the board, even after this pandemic ends? Or do you think we'll sort of gravitate towards sort of the same ratio that we had pre-pandemic of? of online versus in-person classes? Yeah, I, I, you know, I think there's some things that just are much better taught in a classroom, and if we can, we should. But I also think that uh, for some types of learners and for certain types of programs, online is fantastic. So my expectation would be that we won't go back to the same ratio that we had before, but we, we will have kind of trained ourselves and learners to do better in an online environment than they might have felt as less comfortable prior to COVID. So we're, and also we're developing new tools as technology changes that makes the, the distance ed uh, platforms and world so much more functional and so much richer that I, I you know, I, I, also, I really do believe we're going to see much more of that in the future, you know, more um, even in things that would have normally been taught, in a face-to-face circumstance, like a bio lab or something like that, you know, Johns Hopkins has developed unbelievable online bio lab classes with great simulations, and there's no reason why everybody can't have that, you know. And in a place like Sullivan County, where it's a big place, there's one college, it's right in the middle, and transportation is an issue. We don't have a very robust tra- public transportation system. Um, if we can get broadband figured out, I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Before I let you go, just one more time for people out there that might be listening, parents, college, potential kids that want to go to college or whatnot. So tell them, how long do they have to sign up for classes for this fall semester? You can, you can, you can sign up through uh, August or uh, September 4th, mm-hmm. which is Friday, for classes this semester. And, uh, you know, we're also looking at the potential of a late start session for some programs because people are kind of shifting around as we see um, other campuses having to close and send people home and, you know, people might choose to leave whatever original decision they had and we'd like to be able to have an opportunity for them to, to come join us. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us um, and taking some time out of your busy schedule and, um, you know, just like everyone else out here, please uh, stay safe out there and best of luck. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Take care.